Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Aaron Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast. My podcast is about immigrants, immigration, and everything in between. My brothers and my sisters, welcome back. I'm glad that you could join me for another episode of An Immigrant's Life. You know where to find me on Instagram, Facebook, at An Immigrant's Life. You can listen to the podcast through YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you to all the subscribers. The community is slowly growing and getting stronger. And please, please don't stop sharing the good word to your friends and family. That takes care of the business. Now, let's talk about this week's episode. Actually, before we do, I'd like to say one thing. This episode is dedicated to the loving memory of Mr. Rudy Surat. He is the father of this week's guest, and it's unfortunate that I didn't have the opportunity to meet Mr. Rudy. However, it is my greatest fortune and honor to meet her incomparable daughter, and this episode will show you how remarkable father Mr. Surat was, and he and his wife produced and reared a wondrous daughter. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. I am honored to have today's guest. She's a cook, a salt of the earth, a loving wife, and a doting mother. Everyone, please welcome Fiona Surat. Hi. Hi, Fiona. How are you doing? I'm all right. I hope all is well. <laughs> yeah, all is well, you know, all things considered. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm very honored that you considered me to be on here. Mm, thank you. Thank you. So before we start, would you like to promote anything? I would like to promote the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation as it's near and dear to me. Mm. Is there a website that you could uh, mention? Um, no, if you just would like to um donate anything to the sick kids foundation uh specifically with that uh in mind um that would be much appreciated mm. so when i release the podcast i'm gonna put a link to the okay. crowns and so you mentioned that you like taking pictures of family why is that important to you family is everything to me um it's my roots. Uh, I was raised by many aunts. I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago. And when I say grew up, I think it was the formative years from one to 10 I that I knew the importance of community and the relationship surrounding that. Because when that saying that we take for granted, it takes a village, it really rings true because you're influenced by all the people that you see are, are surrounded by. Mm. And that was what I knew. My great grandparents had my grandmother, great grandmother, sorry, had 24 children and 21 survived. 24 and, children? Yes. And they <gasps> were, yes. <laughs> well, let's. Take a minute. Is that right? 24 kids? And 21 survived. Yes. Whoa. And yeah, and they were voted the best great uh, grandparents in Trinidad and Tobago featured in a newspaper, that article that I was trying to find, but it was, I'm talking over 30 years ago. They've passed, God rest their soul. Um, But the fact of the matter is they she bore these children and they lived off the land when we talk about self sufficiency and uh living off the land they had i remember counting over 30 fruit trees in what i would say a plantation they lived maybe 10 minutes walking distance from the beach where the sons went fishing um they ate they grew their crops so i didn't grow up close to them but going there was an experience it just solidified more and more and more of the importance of family so Hmm. taking family pictures 
has always been something that I love to do. And it's very spontaneous and sporadic. And it's only now that the ones around me truly appreciate it because I have very random videos or pictures that no one ever thought existed. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, I like those surprises. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's like a beautiful gift. So you mentioned you're from Trinidad and Tobago. Where that's exactly right. were in Trinidad? So the interesting thing about me is that I was born in the capital city, which is Port of Spain, and I lived there for just a couple of years. But my parents are from South Trinidad, hmm. and it's more countryside. However, we have lived all parts of that island um, only because just trying to, for my father's job or whatever the case may be. Mm. But they have a lot of land in the south of Trinidad, and we ended up like being there mm. and um, back to his roots and my mother's roots because they both were from the same, if you want to call it, village. Mm. Okay. And you were talking offline that you are Indian descent. That's correct. Can you educate us about the history on that? In terms of the Indian descent, my great-great-grandparents came as indentured laborers to Trinidad to work on the sugarcane and cocoa plantation. And that is exactly what they did. So they came from the province of Gujarat uh, in India. So they they did migrate there, and um, that's where they worked. My grandfather, my mother's father, uh, had cocoa plants after, and he would um, make cocoa for hot chocolate, for coffee, and all of that. Like so, we it was always family working with family, mm. um, in. In what I know, and that's me. I, I mean, that's basically what I know about the, like, my Indian roots. Mm, that's beautiful. So, what did you enjoy the most growing up in Trinidad? I think it really is the freedom, and as cliche as it sounds, it may look like a 1980s movie where you see kids running around and their parents aren't even around. (laughs) They don't even know where they are the entire day. They show up for dinner, that kind of thing. But you trust that, you know, your children are safe, um, happy, and, you know, they come home, they're hungry, they're dirty, you tidy them up and you move on but there wasn't a question of like those those are the the, those kind of freedoms uh I loved um I think also we every Friday my dad would treat us to these takeout and when we say takeout really wasn't he would get us our favorite uh, meal we'd get a watermelon parked by the sea Mm. and have our dinner and then get fresh ice cream. So those are my memories that of Trinidad that it just seems so innocent and um, beautiful because nature and um, family and just that whole carefree. But don't, don't get me wrong. Like there was a lot, like education was huge, <laughs> um, but that's not... <laughs> the best part of growing up for me at least <laughs> in Trinidad. Why? Oh, I it, my father was a teacher and mm. uh, education is huge for I would just say generally people in the West Indies and Caribbean parents um, you know, you knew your timetables as well as you knew your ABCs. So that's just how it goes hand in hand you knew cursive penmanship was important Mm -hmm. um punctuality respect for elders those are the things that it was a given Mm -hmm. and i think um i I like that and i respect that um Mm -hmm. about growing up how again going back to education i don't remember a summer i wasn't enrolled in a private school or after or you know 
before or after school, even during school, just because it was the competition for schools and level of education schools, because it's graded, the system is much different than the Canadian system, um, where at a young age, you have to write exams and have a very high mark. And you choose your four schools based on what you think you could possibly get into. Mm-hmm. And But the preparation for that is years. And mm-hmm. we're talking, I left Trinidad at the age of 10. I had already written uh, my first exam <laughs> at, at like, and I passed for my father's school, which he taught and he loved it. My mother, mm. she thought he worked for an amazing school, but she's like, you could have gotten a little bit better. Um, <laughs> but it was the best for him because he thought you will be watched 24 hours by all my peers. <laughs> and him. And him. <laughs> so it was very competitive. Um, and I value that. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that you mentioned about community. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't really have to worry about your kids because the community is watching your kids. Exactly. You know, the aunts and the uncles that you don't even know your aunts or uncles, but you call well, them anyway. That's, you call them aunts and uncles. <laughs> like that's if you just, that's a, just a given, right? Mm, you don't exactly. know them. You say uncle or auntie. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So now you mentioned that you moved to Canada. Where do you live currently? So I in Toronto. Mm, Toronto, and who moved to Canada first? My father. Well, it it there's a little bit behind that. My father studied in Winnipeg, mm. uh, as a, in the seventies, and uh, he was studying to become a doctor, and yeah. And he, well, you know, there's, it's a process. So he went on, he went back home on vacation to see, just on vacation. He completed his BA and everything. And on vacation, the same village that, or I don't know where, he saw my mother. And like I said, they were from the same area, but she was a sophisticated young lady. And uh, she always had a crush on him. And they saw each other. He asked her out on a date. Um, and then they, that was it. He never came back to Canada. So he ended up staying in Trinidad, um, not to my mom's liking because she wanted to come to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then years, many, many years after in 1988, he decided that he would, would come here. Um, and he came just a couple months before just to see how it was like. And he was 45 years old. So it took a huge transition. And he was doing very well in Trinidad. Um, there were big plans. And so that thought of like uprooting to come back and start all over with your wife and three children um, was was a tough decision. But he did it. Mm. So that was when we migrated. Mm. So even though you guys were doing well in Trinidad, he still moved. Yes. Why? I think because he thought that um, we would have more opportunities in Canada. And that was essentially it. Not a better education because that came after when I saw what the education system, and not to knock it, it's just not up to par as it should be um and especially if you're coming from like other countries where you know you're way more advanced um you come here and it's like okay it's very lackadaisical um if mm-hmm. you want to say it's just you yeah. know anybody could get into a university like <laughs> <laughs> to me i think <laughs> When you say you have a university degree to me, I'm not really impressed because, again, that may be offensive. It's just that there's more to it than that. I find that there's just more to it than having that degree because it's it's basically generally speaking, unless mm. you're like up there. But we can cut that part off. I would like to cut that part off. Why? <laughs> Because um, I'm not knocking the education system. It's just that it's disappointing. And, yeah. it beca- and, and, and more so, it just continues to 
be be more so um where i am now the parent the teacher and and everything else the principal and everything not because of covid that had existed prior to that. Hmm. It's because the expectation that teachers have on parents is that, well, you need to, you know, step up your game uh, with 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 kids, right? Mm, However, yeah, yeah. you're they're in school certain period of time. So hmm. it's done other places and it's done effectively. It's just not the same here. That's all. Mm, yeah, I agree, I agree. So let's go back to you coming to Canada. Can you tell the story about a phone call with your dad before you moved to Canada? Oh my God, of course. That <laughs> is, that's an amazing question because he, he had called to ask me what I wanted when I came to Canada. And I said, what I wanted was a Black Forest chocolate cake. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what I wanted. And, you know, he, we got here and there was a delay in uh, the Miami airport. Like we had to like a slight delay and we got here. But he bought the biggest slab of Black Forest cake that I had ever seen or even thought of, right? I thought, is this a party? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's just say that we it, three quarters of the cake, unfortunately, didn't get eaten because it was so much. But <laughs> it touched my heart. Like, he was like, I was so happy. He's like, hmm. this is for my girl, right? So my baby doll, like, as he would say. But yeah, it was, that was my memory. And I, it's hard for me now to have Black Forest cake. Mm. Yeah, I love the story. So I'm assuming you came with your mom and your sister. And when brother. You, and your brother, too. Okay. When did you arrive in Canada? How was that? Um, it was, to be honest with you, it was, it was fine. It was scary, but at the same token, exciting. Because, I, like, at 10 years old or almost turning 11, you're, you're, you know what your parents said that you're moving, but it doesn't really set in that you're actually moving. So coming here was like, I think I'm still in the mindset of vacation. So it's like, it's really fun. Like, you know, I, I traveled overseas before with like with my dad and my parents. And so I was like, oh, okay. It was, it was a wow moment. Um, but that was short-lived. Why? Because it was different, I thought. Um, I remember we we got to where my father was renting, and I he there was two rooms, and it was it just seemed bare, and there was no TV. My brother and sister were you know uh, very little, so you know that's the first thing little kids they want to look at cartoons or something, right? Yeah. And that wasn't there. And um, the next day, like it was really literally the next day, he took us on the bus and we had a, a really nice car in Trinidad, a brand new car. So I was like, why are we taking the bus? And you then spoiled little he, girl. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> oh, why are we taking this bus? And then, you know, OK, it's exciting. It's cool. So we're on the bus and then we go and then we get to the store and he buys the TV and we're on the bus and I and I'm sitting there and I look at him and I said, Are dad, are we poor? And then I I felt like as soon as it came out of my mouth that like just heartbroken because I, I saw the look on his face. Um and then he just looked over and he said, No, sweetheart. Um he's like, No, 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 not at all. We're not poor. And I think we've had many conversations that's something that stuck in my mind and his mind because we've talked about it or he's mentioned it and it was i guess more of a drive to get get it going and that's like the immigrant mentality mm -hmm. of i need to i came here for a reason i came back for a reason actually and i gotta step it up and my child thinks i'm like we're poor mm -hmm. and right away an educated man 
um, having a Canadian uh, degree, was working as uh, in factories um, as a security guard and had to go back to school and get his like certification and he he went into social services Mm -hmm. so you know at that age and he was there in class i uh doing all the 21 year old they were like saying hey you know can you do my homework for me and he (laughs) was you know all right what (laughs) like that was that was it right so he's like it was difficult being in a a classroom where you're the eldest and you're Mm -hmm. older than the teacher Right. So, yeah, yeah. so he had a side hustle. <laughs> that was his, well. No, he didn't. Would never. He was just like, no, no, no. But they were like all willing to uh, even like write messages. Sorry for him to do the, his their exams, which could not be possible since they were in the same class. So I don't know what they were smoking. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So you went to school in Canada. How was that experience? Um, so the first day I, I, I came to school, my parents decided to dress me in a t-shirt with a logo of Trinidad and Tobago. Mm. So, you know, I thought, okay, I didn't think anything of it, but it was hilarious to everyone else. Um, the fact that I was wearing this t-shirt that represented this island that they didn't even know anything about so it was funny and it was ridiculed so it wasn't a it wasn't a good start and that was my where I started to shy away from my own identity in terms of the Trinidadian culture Mm. and not wanting to because I wanted to fit in and I was I did not want any kind of association so wearing these um, t-shirts and belts and all those kinds of things as the 90s progressed and that was the thing I I shied away from that um, mm. because I got protective over myself to, it was self-preservation at that point mm. and did you feel unwelcome in high school or Beyond that? Mm, no. Um, I think after that experience and moving on to being in a more, I guess when you say multicultural environment, um, I didn't feel, I didn't feel that I was isolated, but I always felt isolated because it's, it's just stemmed back from what I thought that, you know, how you should be or how you should behave. So the new fad of like wearing your, your, your country's colors and in your cars and everything like that. It, I, I never, I never bought into that. I still don't really, I don't think that should be a representation of who you are to this, have yourself on display like that. That's just how I always felt. Mm. What do you mean by that? Well, I don't think with me wearing a Trinidadian T-shirt or a, something or a band, waving a bandana um, really will say to say that, you know, would give me more credence to the fact that I'm Trinidadian or of that like culture. You know, those are my roots. So that's a misconception, I think. I think, why do you need to do that? Like, why do you need to put yourself out there so hard and to, to say, here, look at me. This is who I am. If mm. that's who you are, it's who you are. Not not what you, from the external aspect of it. That's your heart. My heart is Trinidad. I don't need to, to wear put it on my car or wear it on my t-shirt. Mm, I like I'm that a Trini to the bone. You know what I mean? <laughs> my accent is my... That is my that is my salute and salutations to my people. Mm. So I uh, that is core to me. I love that. I love that you said it because I am the same. I don't do the flag. I don't do the t-shirt. And do I don't do that. I am Filipino. I act Filipino, and like you said, an accent. That's my that's my tribute to my country. That to my ethnicity. To my people. You know, and I'm gonna share you a short story about that accent when I came here. I have, you know, I speak fluent English, but I have the thick Filipino accent. So, it, you know, I try to study how they speak, the Canadians speak. Most of my friends are from West Indies, actually. 
Jamaica, Trinidad, you know, Bajans, all those guys. And so I'm talking and they were, one time they they look at me and they say, what's wrong with you? Why do you sound like that? You don't, you're not that. And I said, oh yeah, you're right. I'm not that. <laughs> so I went back again and calibrated myself. I still speak fluent English. I still speak quote unquote proper English, but there are some words that I know when I say it, it will sound Filipino and I go extra hard on that. I put extra spice, as they <laughs> say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you. I, I love that. I love that you said that. So did you have Trini friends? I think I w- I'm what you would say, like United Nations of friends. So I don't, I don't, I don't pick my friends. It's just who falls into my lap. Um, that's just <laughs> how I roll. Like it's, I really just don't. And I think because I was raised like that um, to just embrace anybody, you know what I mean? If you want to talk to me and you're coming correct and you're a proper individual with like no bad intentions, I'm just always been about the good vibes. And I've been like, you know, if you're going to come like that with ulterior motives, fine, that's up to you. But I, I have a very strange, when I look back, um, group of different people that are really close, near and dear to me. I remember coming here and I thought, oh, I should get a pen pal. So my, <laughs> I got a pen pal and he was from Greece. I was 12. He was 12. And George. And <laughs> oh, my God. It was, it was because that's what I learned about Suvlaki and stuff. And I'm like, hey, you know, I was telling my parents, <laughs> there was like a Suvlaki restaurant. I, this is what it is, right? And it was through my pen pal. Um, so that's what I mean. It's just really like another one of my best friends who's Romanian. And like, and uh, then I learned about that culture and it's so on and so forth. So, like I say, I don't choose who I interact with. If we vibes, then we vibes. Yeah, me too. The same thing. If I see a person, I said, this person. There's something about this person. We you need to be it. friends. Yeah. yeah, you get that energy, right? Mm. And if someone can make you laugh, I think, quickly, like that's that's something special, right? That's, that's what I do too at parties. <laughs> if I'm at the table and I'm with strangers, I always throw like a joke, a silly joke. And if whoever bites the joke, that's the person. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, you get me. You know what I mean? Exactly. You yeah. and me, we're loonies. Yeah. <laughs> that's and that's awesome. okay. That's okay. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I love that you said ulterior motives. Because when I message you randomly on Messenger, when you said, yeah. what did you say? Oh, I, I think it was like, you know, is there more to that? Uh, what are the ulterior motives? Like, is this really what it is? In fact, just a podcast about immigrant experience? Or is it something like, am I like, honestly, <laughs> one of my friends, my best friend follows you. So that was oh. sealed the deal as soon as I said, hey, you know what? I'm not doing this. Not doing this. What's her name or his name? Her name is Keisha. So shout out to yeah. Keisha. Thank you for following. <laughs> so I said, you know what? Keisha, what do you think? I don't really know. She's right away, right away. Slickety split. She's just like, oh my God. Yes, I do. I follow him. Spotify. And so Aww. I was like, that I didn't even need like anything more than that. That was enough for me. And Keisha's very special. Like known her since I was 14 years old. This is going over 30 years of friendship. And um so we really like it's one of those things you don't talk to somebody for many years, but you don't have to talk to them. And then you talk to them mm. and we just kind of like the it, we just pick up where we we left off. So she's been our huge She's a huge fan. She's just like, you know, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Ah, I'm like, Keisha, me too. <laughs> thank you so much. That's awesome. I love that you said about friends that you don't see like for decades and 
the next thing you see them and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, we're going to grab something. Not No, like, hey, how are you? Nothing. Because I had a friend and he was going to visit me a few years ago. I haven't seen him for easily 12 years. I pick him up. We didn't say hi. <laughs> we go, are you hungry? <laughs> yeah, let's go. See, that's real. That is, that is, that's something yeah. that uh-uh. you feel, right? Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So you mentioned to me that you're married to this gorgeous husband of yours. <laughs> yes. I mean, you guys are beautiful couple. <laughs> and he's from Bosnia, you said? Yeah, Bosnia. Mm. And uh, can you tell the love story, how you met? You know, it actually, as cliche as it sounds, it is a love story. Um, it was back in 2001, August 11th. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a club on Richmond Street in Toronto called G-Spot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that true? Is that right? Uh, yeah, it is true. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we both didn't want to go there. And we really were kind of coerced into going there by our, like, you know, my cousin his friends, it was packed because it was after the weekend of Caravana in Toronto. Mm. So the parties were hard and heavy, still going on. So it was really, really packed. And I wasn't really feeling it. And we were just standing there and I just see, honestly, this person, like he's a taller individual and he's coming through a swarm of people. And I don't know why I looked at my cousin and I said, you know what? If I ask for one wish, that would be that that would be my wish that I would get this guy. (laughs) And I joke now, I said, man, why did I waste my wish? (laughs) (laughs) But, But he came and then, you know, he was standing there and then some other guy came and he just left. And a couple hours passed and then I saw him again and he was now speaking to uh, a lady. So I said to my cousin, Hey, I'm going to, going to go over there. She's like, Oh my God. Right. Because she, she was pretty hot. Um, really hot. <laughs> and, but yeah, I said, Oh, who cares? What, what's there to, what's, what's the most that I can lose? I don't hmm. really know him. And then, I did, there was no, there were no words. I, I ordered my drink. He looked over and some, so it was an Asian man and he was an elder man. And I wondered why was he at this young club, but he was standing there and he walked, he had whispered something to my now husband in his ear and nothing after that. And then he came up to me and asked me, and what he had asked me was, is that your boyfriend? And I said, yes. And that was it. So we kind of looked at each other. And after that, I kind—I just put my arm around my husband's waist. And that was the end of it. <laughs> we, we never let go after that. Years later, though, I did ask him, what did, what did he say to you? What did he ask you? Hmm. He asked me, oh, is that your girlfriend? And I, and I said, what did you say? And he said, yes. Hmm. And then... So, and then as soon as that black question was asked, we just melted into each other, if mm. you want to say. And that was, that was it. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So, fast forward, you created Beautiful Kids. Yes. And now, how many kids do you have? I have two sons. Mm. One 14 and one 11. Hmm. So being an immigrant mother, what challenges do you face raising Canadian kids? Oh, I would have to say the sense of entitlement and um, the feeling that, you know, that's it. I think that's my, my, I want to bold that and, um, you know, have that just in lights because, that comes with so many things where I'm trying to, you know, speak to the people around me to say they don't need all of these things, right? Like in order to be successful, basic things are needed. You need light, you're able to, you know, you have a pen, 
you have a book, you're, you can navigate. Now you have so many things, you are, you're, you're overstimulated, but understimulated because it's never enough. Mm. So my, my challenges are to always, and I think I'm a, the most broken record <laughs> because it's, yeah, <laughs> like every day, it's like the same story of this is what you need to do. You know, success is not going to come like, it's not going to be bestowed upon you, mm-hmm. basically, right? You have to work for what you want mm-hmm. and you need to figure out what you want and you need to figure it out pretty quickly. So being an immigrant mother um, means always worrying. And that doesn't mean if uh, that's not just being an immigrant mother, you're always worried as a mother, mm-hmm. right? I think it's just that you worry about the extra challenges that may come, right? Yeah, you're so right. I mean, so we mentioned that your husband's Bosnian and you're from Trinidad. Does your husband's culture and your culture ever clashes about raising kids? About raising kids? No, because the beauty of uh, their culture is that it's extremely uh, similar to the beliefs and values mm. system that we hold near and dear to mm. us and my family, um, as well as his. And I'm not going to speak in terms of generally f- to speak on all Trinidadians or all Indian Trinidadian families or anything like that. It's just what my family was raised on. Mm. Um, so it's basically having kids that respect, you know, your elders. Language was huge for my husband so my they did not attend child care they were really raised by my sister-in-law and my father-in-law and my mother-in-law mm. and they were they speak the the mother tongue of bosnia no so way. yeah that's cool yeah way and so <laughs> yeah and so that was key that my my husband wanted to have his children speak that language so that he can communicate with them. And he had refused to speak with them in English as children, like growing up, mm. because he wanted that. He's like, as soon as you enter the school system, right, you lose that. You may lose it, depending. But yeah, they speak really well. Wow, that's amazing. So is there a Trinidadian culture that you try to make sure your kids follow? Um, I, I don't know in terms of culture. I think it's just, again, going back to family, right? Mm. I think we, we are very, um, we hold that, like we hold, like that's gold, Mm. right? If you have a solid family foundation and you're raised the right way, because you always reflect back on anything. You look to your family members for support, resources, medicinal advice, Mm. like they're wise in what, in what they have to say, aunts, uncles, everyone, right? Mm. So the culture is respect your elders, um, you know, have a good time. Don't, don't, you know, don't take life so seriously, but at the same time, um, don't take it for granted, mm. right? Take, look at your opportunities, seize the moment. Um, I'm not the iry, iry kind of like, uh, you know, everything is all iry because let's <laughs> get haven't real, heard it's not. that word for a long time. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> I don't know either. I asked my friends, they don't even know. So to close out this topic, what's been your proudest achievement as a parent so far? On, um, to be honest with you, I really don't feel like I have. Um, I've I've yet to feel that. Mm. Well, no, it hasn't. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so in- can I stop that? It's all good. <laughs> ah. You want to move my on? proudest achievement, no. Okay. My proudest achievement was when my child's uh, essay got featured in uh, one uh, prize um, in Ontario hmm. for the best essay in terms of his um, dealing with the battle of uh, colitis. Hmm. So it was an award-winning West essay that he won um beat out like 
all the other grades. He was a great, he was grade seven at that, at the time. And it was shocking. Um, I think why my, my memory is kind of blurred at that, about that was because when I got the news of that, I also was, uh, got the news, this, the most devastating news of my life, um, about my father Mm. and dying. So Mm. that's why I thought it's masked that whole, um, great moment in my life but i know it's on my facebook <laughs> mm-hmm. because in that moment that was how i felt and now it's you know everything comes back always to my my dad hmm. so you told me about being born into social service is that what your dad did for a living yes Mm-hmm. If uh, he ended up doing that, and I ended up following in his footsteps, working for the same region as he did. Mm. So, you mentioned you work with refugees daily and immigrants. What do you mean by that? Um, exactly what it is when new immigrants come in uh, to the country and they need support. Um, I'm not going to really go into what exactly I do, but. Um, Basically, we're uh, they're at our front doors, and so I'm seeing firsthand what the needs are, the struggles are, um, not only firsthand but throughout the years until uh, certain things can be dis- decided with their status in Canada. Hmm, that's awesome. You're a saint. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It's um. It's really hard when you see people that are highly educated, that are foreign trained professionals, that are highly skilled, that come under the guise that this is the land of gold. And yes, it is the land of opportunities. I am grateful for being here for, you know, I'm always grateful every single day. Mm. However, it's very tragic when it just, the, the dreams and the hopes, um, it doesn't happen for, for many. And when you have a doctor, you know, Uber driving it or door dashing it, um, and there's like, I got mouths to feed, you know, I was mm. at the top of my game back in my homeland. Um, what do you say to those people? Mm. That, that is a daily struggle. Um, all you can actually do is just, you know, empathize as best. But because I am from, like, I can relate in terms of watching um, a very successful man come and have to be humble, you know mm. what I mean? To be able to get to where he got to, which I'm referring to my dad again, mm. um, that, you know, now you got to pull up your socks and say, okay, decisions need to be made in terms of what I'm willing to do in terms uh, like get accredited, switch gears, change professions, start over. Um, so it encompasses a lot. And, um, I am happy to be part of their journey and to see successes. And sometimes, you know, when I say, I, I hope I never see you again, I never mean it in a bad way. It just means that I know that you're doing really well mm. and I don't have to, you know, really worry anymore. It, Cause it seems like it's always, even though they're like, you know, separate yourself from the job when you're in human services, mm. it's very difficult to separate yourself from hearing people's tragic stories. Mm-hmm. So my job isn't about good times and having good stories every day. You have to mentally and physically prepare for that because mm. every day is a different day. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's beautiful. So let's talk about your dad a little bit. Mm-hmm. You said he's your superhero. Yes, he's my superhero. I remember I was in uh, in in grade school. I think it was grade six or seven, and um, we had to do an essay, and I wrote that my superhero was was my dad. Hmm. And um, you know, everyone wrote about you know Batman, Wonder Man, Wonder Woman, like those kinds of like the typical superhero. And not to throw shade to my mom, but it was because I just like I I I really thought he was my superhero, and 
because he was able to do things in a fashion that you would never know that anything was wrong. Mm. Like it seems seamless. You would never feel scared uh, or fear because it's like you were safe. And and my father has always been like that. Like I always felt safe knowing that he was around as an adult woman, like sometimes, you know, there's things I need to talk to him about. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's just, sometimes it's just a conversation, right? So that safety was what I think a superhero can do for you is to be able to make you feel comfort, right? Hmm. So somebody had said that to me at work, um, one of my clients, and that really brought me to my knees because I, tears, it was just like, and they were like, oh, my God, that was a great thing. And I'm like, it was absolutely amazing. But I'm not your superhero. They didn't know that it was near and dear to me, right, to, mm. be, to be looked upon like, like somebody like that. Mm. Um, yeah. But you are a superhero to them. <laughs> to, well, to this individual, it thought that, uh, you know, I... I was there and I tried to be in the moment, to be present, mm. to to focus, you know, on that individual. Mm. So I think it's important. Um, doesn't matter how, you know, big your caseload is or whatever the case may be. When people know you, you know a little bit about them. Um, there's more trust and there's more willingness to share. And then we can move forward that way. Right. And mm. I think the the most important thing for immigrants to feel is that trust right mm -hmm. um, they become humans to you not just a number exactly and they that's what they are it's it's not it's it's a human that you're dealing with and it's people's feelings and lives and knowing that they've uprooted and they they're scared it's a scary thing when you come to a, a new land, and then especially if you do not speak the language. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. I really can't. So, um, but that's what I work with, hmm. that predominantly. Well, thank you for your work. I'm sure it's appreciated. Well, thank you. But let's go back to your dad a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> um, I love the story that you wrote about your dad giving you some spending money. <laughs> I think that was for Easter. I think it was Easter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, there has been many occasions um, that he's slipped money and um, to me or given money to me. And he really would look at me and, and you know, study the facial expression because I, it, like, it didn't matter. Like I said, that was like a couple years ago. And I'm like, Oh my God! Right, whole like like I like I don't earn my own money. Like I can't go to the bank again <laughs> and withdraw the money. But it's the fact that it was just like I want you to not think like it had not it could not be on anything essential. It had to be on what I wanted, right? Mm. Um, and he wanted to know like you know like did, what was the joy like be happy and let me know <laughs> and it was always like that he would do these things right him and my mom but my mother would always say oh your father your father said that he should give you guys but it wasn't she was always there she just let him have like that's the limelight mm -hmm. that's awesome he's happy that you guys are happy he was that's a very very generous man that's amazing and this is the story. Is this the one that you keeps the bill in a special place? Oh yeah, um, the the money. Well, you bought something because he he gave you the money and he said, "Hey, buy something for yourself for you." And then, unfortunately, I think he passed away after. Right. And where do you keep the bill? Can you share that? Yes. Yeah. So it was his wallet was always filled with money and that's where I keep it, the money. Mm. When I'm going to spend that money probably never um but I don't know that's a difficult thing for me it's hard for me to to have all his items although I just want to show you this um this 
have it at my desk. This says uh, for complaint department push red. It's like <laughs> government complaint. At work, I had that, and people were like, I thought I actually had a mousetrap, but um, I have a lot of his items on my desk. Um, government Rudy worker ID card. He was so vain. <laughs> it's a mirror. So it looks like, looks like that, but he had it at his desk just to make sure, you know, his hair and everything looked good. (laughs) Not vain, but you know, when you grow up like in that era, you always like, and he was always like that, very composed Mm -hmm. and I never saw him disheveled or out of sorts. That was never his nature. Mm. He's a gentleman. Very much so. Had a handkerchief always. Yeah. yeah. In a pocket, ready to go. Hair's always slick back. Ready to go. Ready <laughs> to go. His hair always slicked back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, shaved every every single day. Every day he had a fresh shave. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what. That's how he carried himself, and that's how I am. Like I very much um, like that, and not because it was like a a something that was taught it's just me because me and my brother and sister were completely different in that essence where you know i will wake up and ensure that i look my best (laughs) before i step out um and they're probably going to be like why would you say that we're what less than no not (laughs) that at all it's just that i'm always you know i want i always look for um, an opportunity to dress up Mm, of course What's his name? Do you want to mention his name? Your dad? Yes, his name is Rupdeo Surat. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. So, when you remember him, and obviously you feel the grief and sadness, what makes you feel better? His laugh. He was a he was a joker. Oh my, like, you know, I really got to know my father after we started to work together. And when I say got to know him in a different way, and I think it's also because of the fact that um, I was married and, you know, like in a different place. So we were able to communicate um, in a, in a different, more real way. And I just had, sorry. What was the question? <laughs> oh, just uh, you took me back. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is all good. Um, my question was when you remember him and you're feeling sad and you know. Oh, but his laughter. Okay, yeah. So that was it. I would be having a bad day, and he always was able to distract me with a joke. And it was always something about somebody he knew in Trinidad, and they always had these names. Like, nothing is it's nicknames for everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, do people really call these people that? So the, before the joke even started, really, I was already laughing just mm. by the name of, like, why are you saying this man's name is Cockroach? <laughs> and, like, like, you know, and the way he said it, it was just like, that's his name. Like, you know, and Cockroach saw, you know, this guy and small man and I'm like oh my god right so and I'm a very visual person so I was howling but he was a great storyteller and in everything there was a joke and in every time or instance you need uh, like something relatable he was able to give you a joke and you're (laughs) like oh okay Um, so I hear his laughter and I hear I see his beautiful smile and I think when times are tough, that's what it, it is about. Like, fee, let's get it going. And don't worry, love. It's like I just can feel that gentleness about him. Mm. That's what keeps me going, really. The smile. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You want to take a minute? No, no, no. I'm fine. Good? I'm fine. All right. So let's leave your dad. He's good. He's good. Um, we're getting there, so I want to close up with another topic. Mm-hmm. You told me you love cooking. Yes. What do you love about it? I love that it's not baking. Um, What's I'm wrong not with baking? Most... I like baking. 
<laughs> I think it's and baking is great. And my mother, I think, is the best baker in the world. Shout out to Leela Surat. <laughs> um, she's awesome. And but baking is a science, and it's it's about you know exact measurements and stuff. And yes, you can play around with certain things, right? Mm-hmm. Cooking, I'm more artistic, mm-hmm. and I will take a recipe and deconstruct it and reconstruct it, and um, I just love the fact that with uh, growing up, my parents both cook. They're very well. Um, they're both excellent, I would say, chefs in their own nature, but they do things very differently and they own the kitchen. So the opportunity to cook at home was very limited and it was a lot of pressure because they if <laughs> i made something it had to be it's just like well you know there was a lot of criticism to a certain degree not like it was bad but it was kind of like well you know we don't really eat like this or you know <laughs> that kind of stuff but when i moved out then i had my own kitchen it was like the world is my oyster the grocery store up to now well, not up to now, up to March, mm. was my best friend. I, perusing the grocery store was my de- de-stressor after work because I, it was discovery of ingredients and then cultures. And Food Network Channel, I'm a devout fan. <laughs> so, you know, comb- combination with all of that and just the love of trying different foods um, or cuisine, just in piqued my interest and that it's just it's just next level like i will eat dream sleep recipes like i i I, like you know always like i'm always thinking about what to cook how to cook how to present it it consumes me Hmm. and yeah in a good way in a good way yeah in an artistic way yeah, in a in a positive, you know, it's a good way to release. It's a good way to, you know, uh, show off a little to my family members. But now they're not impressed. Uh, like, <laughs> I mean, my my direct my direct family. Oh, when my like you know my aunts and uncles or uh, brothers and sisters they have to come over. That was like, I keep my menu like burger priest like there's a secret menu you can get like certain things and then after it's like okay you don't really know unless you know Mm -hmm. but um they don't even want to know it's like what is she gonna make so i i I love that aspect of being able to make people happy and seeing their smiles. And I do that for my coworkers as well. There's certain people that are like, you know, you must be revered at home. And I said, absolutely not. You know, when something is so, you're so used to it, you take it for granted. Mm. So I'm like, they're not impressed. No, I have lots of leftovers. I can't eat this all week. Like, right. So I love, I love food and and Trinidad is just an exotic island for cuisine and mm. it's just an eclectic array of food. And I grew up not only knowing like my, you know, Indian culture, it was everything really. Mm. It was Asian cuisine, you know, um, uh, jerk chicken, uh, sorry, all, all the Caribbean. I want some jerk chicken right now. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> So uh, mine's seasoning, actually. I'm making that tomorrow. Uh, so I'm going to give yeah. you an address after this. Please send it yes, over. Yes, yes, I will forward that over <laughs> to you. But yeah, cuisine is important. Um, I remember seeing a commercial in Trinidad, and I think I was six years old, and it was spaghetti and meatballs. And ground beef wasn't a thing in Trinidad. Mm. So my father literally drove to every single grocery store and went across the island hours <laughs> To find one store that sold ground meat. Came okay. home and made the spaghetti. I mean, now it's nighttime. And I loved it, but I am i don't know how it's supposed to taste. So I was like, oh, okay. Right? Like, that was the hype. But, I mean, he, he spent his entire day and, like, ground meat, that ground beef, like, that was, that's not something that we would eat, right? Mm-hmm. So... There we go with the Italian. <laughs> so, do you have a favorite dish to cook? Something that I... I don't know. I don't think I really have a favorite dish to mm. cook. I do 
Uh, no, not really. Mm, okay. So I love to make, I, okay. Um, I'm really good at making my pepper sauces, like my hot sauce. Mm. So I, I like making that and, and what we say green seasoning. So green seasoning is like the Trinidadian staple of putting, you know, blending together all the, the seasonings. And then that is what you would coat on your meats, mm. whatever it is. So I do do those kinds of things. But I think generally, I just like to cook. Mm. You're an artist. Um, I, yeah, I, I consider myself an artist. My mother considers me an artist. There you go. That's what matters. Yeah. <laughs> Mommy said yeah. it. She said it. Hey, my mom thinks I'm cool, so I think I'm cool. <laughs> right? You know? <laughs> Mama said so. <laughs> exactly. So, if you befriended someone, what dish would you cook to make that person know that you love them? And why that dish? If... I think I would um, make them a seafood dish. Why? Mm. Because I think they would think that, you know, seafood is special. Um, it's more expensive. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm being honest. I would, I would probably do like a something like uh, a, a seafood stew, uh, similar to a paella. We would say pilau, but I would use seafood instead of the typical chicken or or beef. That's what I would do to impress them with a nice, like tropical salad, and um, you know the condiments, which would be the hot sauce and and all of that. That would that would be something I would do. Maybe some fried plantains or and that uh, an addition. We can go on for days. I know I can tell. <laughs> but what's that? I don't I don't know the name of it, but it's like a pie, but it's like. Uh, macaroni pie yes that's it my <laughs> wife loves that pie she always pressures me to ask my west indian friend i'm like i can't ask him all the time yes my son kenan um that is his like when are you making macaroni pie <laughs> and like everybody has like he's had it a lot of different places like but for me like for him i make the best macaroni pie so uh, that's his opinion. Oh, well, yeah. Mommy makes the best. There we go. And yeah. I'll take that. It's funny because a friend of mine asked me that. He said, oh, where's the best Filipino restaurant in Montreal? I said, mm -hmm. at my mom's house. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to say some <laughs> random restaurant that I don't know about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So lastly, let's close it up. What's your tip for people that want to learn how to cook? Don't be intimidated by ingredients. Take it slow. Keep your stove on a low level. <laughs> and please use some type of agent, meaning oil or butter, before you put dry meat into a pan and expect some type of result. So that would be my first tip. Uh, and it brought me back to when my sister started cooking and I said, did you put like oil or anything in the pan? And why would I put that? Like I want, I said, but how is it supposed to cook the meat? Or like, you don't, no, no one's saying drown it. You're not frying it, right? <laughs> so I think first and foremost, never be intimidated, right? Because mm. again, like baking is a science. Cooking is for you to explore. And there's no right or wrong, right? My seasoning can be what like, the epitome of seasoning where the other person can say, you know, that's way too much seasoning for me. I'm not used to that. Mm. So it all depends on your palate. So that, that would be my advice to go with what you know. Don't try to, don't try to, don't try to go a hundred when you're now starting off. Right. Like, mm. That's beautiful. Thank you. So is there anything you would like to add that has not been asked? No. My answer would be no. You sure? Yes. All right. I'm probably going to, uh, knowing me, I'm going to lie there and think, I could have said this, I could have said that. It's really hard when you're on the spot and it's like this. Mm. Um, I think it's because it's out of my element and I'm usually the interviewer. Mm. 
a soul on a, on the different end looking in and asking the questions engaging the responses mm. and wanting to say hey how do you have anything else to add and <laughs> sitting here it kind of like it's a good thing because it shows you that you are vulnerable mm. um to when someone's asking you private and personal questions and I, that's part of my job so when it's reciprocated um it's challenging to be able to be honest and not come off like not sincere mm. uh, at the same time so that uh you it was an honor like i said to be a part of something i think it's an amazing forum and podcast mm. um that looks at something that's real and it is inspiring and i wish you continued success oh, Aaron. thank you you're too kind you're too kind i'm just doing this <laughs> you know but i really do appreciate that and thank you for coming on the podcast fiona i really do appreciate it okay well thanks for having me thank you bye bye-bye again fiona thank you for coming on the podcast i really do appreciate it thank you listeners for listening this is Aaron Dolyosa for an immigrant's life i'll see you guys later